I'm a 29-year-old woman seeking a mature relationship, one that seeks intimacy without the need for a wedding ring as a prerequisite. Consent is the key. I'm empowered to make my own choices. Welcome to this special edition of our podcast, Adulting on a Spectrum. Tonight, we're going to call it Loving on a Spectrum. I'm Aileen Lam, an artistic author and photographer. And tonight, I'm very pleased to welcome Danny Bowman and Jennifer Cook. They are both artistic on a spectrum, and they are also both in the Netflix show, Love on a Spectrum. Danny, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thanks for having us. Thank Irene. you so much. Wonderful. Yeah. We're both so excited to be here. And especially all three of us are women on the autism spectrum here. That's right. I know. And I love Power that. Power numbers. <laughs> so speaking of that, Danny, that's uh, that's very good. You are on a spectrum and so is Jennifer, but you have different diagnosis journeys. Um, Danny, do you want to go first and tell our listeners a little bit about your diagnosis journey? Sure, Eileen. So I received my first diagnosis at the age of five while attending elementary school. Initially, my inability to speak in complete sentences raised concerns among the school staff. Despite despite reassurances from the quote-unquote professionals that I would eventually grow out of it. The school intervened to address the issue. Surprisingly, my mom chose not to disclose my diagnosis to me. It wasn't until I moved in with my aunt and uncle and I became aware of my autism at the age of 11. At first, I viewed it as a disease needing a cure. However, my aunt enlightened me, explaining that autism is simply a part of who I am. Understanding my diagnosis is allowed me to make sense of my experiences, such as being in special education since elementary school and noticing the strange looks from others. Embracing this aspect of my few of, of myself fueled my determination to succeed even further. A couple of, here are my couple of strengths and weaknesses. My strengths are the ability to hyper-focus on, on tasks that have tight deadlines, and I have eagle eyes for the attention to details, when, especially when I work. One of my weaknesses includes that, for example, my brain tends to move faster than my mouth when I'm trying to talk, which means sometimes I say the wrong words and I have some sensitivity to certain loud noises. That was perfect, Danny. Um, Jennifer? Yeah, so so Danny and I definitely come to the knowledge of being autistic women in very different ways. Um, I was identified as being on the spectrum in 2011, so um, that was after my three kids were. Um, I, I jokingly say if I had had a neurotypical child, I don't know what the heck I would have done with them because obviously I, I know what I'm doing with, with neurodiverse kids, right? That's, that's home. Um, so I was identified after them. And for me, it was um, very much kind of a make everything make sense, uh, you know, click into, into place sort of thing. 
um, kind of was able to look back at my life and make sense of the line that I've said often, but it's really true, is how often I could feel so so darn smart and so darn stupid at the same time, which is a lousy feeling to feel. <laughs> and this sort of filled in the valleys. It made things, you know, it wasn't a lack of effort. It wasn't um, a lack of, you know, it wasn't just a lack on my part. It was simply a difference. So, <clears throat> yeah, so for me, much later, and I, I think it's you know, wonderful now looking at my, my kids are now um, 20, 17 and uh, 14. And I think just how great for them that they get to, you know, start off kind of understanding themselves. And Danny, I, I'm sure, you know, 11 is harder than even, you know, five, but certainly that's great that you got to grow up then having that perspective on yourself. Indeed, yes. Thank you, Jennifer. And um, you made me feel like not alone because you said mentioning that we on the spectrum sometimes have smart stuff while at the same time have like um, dumb stuff. Yeah, totally, totally. And that's exactly how it felt for me. So yeah, um, yeah, so. Yeah, that was the most relatable thing I've probably ever heard. Like, um, <laughs> same as you, Jennifer, I was diagnosed as an adult. I was uh, 25 and it was really like everything made sense because yeah, I've always felt like different, but I couldn't explain why, because, you know, I like I, I get by, you know, and that's my skin is a big part of it. Um, you know, I hear a lot. I don't look autistic. She's both great. And at the same time, it's like you want people to know that, uh, you know, it took a lot of work to get to the point where like you you don't look autistic. So uh, both so uh, great. Not great. And autism doesn't even have a look. Right. I mean, I think that's a beautiful part of it that we get to learn, too. It's yeah. an invisible disability, which I actually call it different ability. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you both were part of the fantastic Netflix show, Love on the Spectrum. It seriously puts a smile on my face every time I watch it. Um, do you want to share your favorite moment from, uh, from filming, Danny? Well, there are so many favorite parts from filming. And one of my favorite parts was getting help and advice from you, Jennifer Cook. I liked working with you, too. <laughs> Thank you so much. It really helped, especially on how to approach intimacy. The reason why it was important for me to bring up that subject to Adon is because I have a lot of friends on the spectrum that are asexual, which means they, they want a relationship, but no intimacy. Don't get me wrong, that's a, but that's okay for them. For me, I was looking for a relationship that includes intimacy, and I wanted both of us to be on the same page. I knew it was going to be awkward conversation for people to see me asking the question, but I felt it was an important conversation to have with the Don to be sure we are on the same page as far as we would like from a relationship eventually of course so we are good but we are taking it slow i know i opened up the conversation and i expected some trolling but sheesh come on people grow up we are adults oh no have you really had any that you've had negative response to to that whole part of the conversation well um i looked at some yes i did look at some comments especially uh, like on reddit some some people say uh, that i'm not the favorite or some people say that i just want sex or some people considered me like a yeah. debbie downer but i'm actually yeah. very but you know what's the true i just want to reveal the true happy self you are being a mature woman who was speaking out as a 
mature woman, as an adult who is allowed to, and what's more, you know, ought to be able to ask for what she wants in a relationship. That's essential and I think incredibly brave. It is yep. true of Jennifer. Yeah, Thank you so true. much. Everybody should should not only feel comfortable doing that, but I think it's essential, right? I think healthy communication, whether that's in the bedroom or you know, sitting next to each other on a living room couch, right? That is what makes love flow, what makes it work or doesn't. So they, folks have a lot to learn from you. So there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Danny, for putting your, yourself out there because, you know, I think and don't don't read comments on reddit it's <laughs> so negative you know it's like the entire every single thread is going to have negative comments and you're, you're great and i so appreciate you putting yourself out there because you're helping a lot of people and you know what they say like people like to complain i think it's you know if someone has a positive uh experience at a restaurant it's they're more likely to leave a negative uh, review certain times they're certain times more likely to leave a negative review than a positive review uh and i think that's a pretty crazy stat so thank you for putting yourself out there and i'm sure you're helping a lot more people uh than you think and mm -hmm. they're just not saying it um, yeah. yeah no problem eileen yeah uh how about you jennifer any favorite moment well, so Danny already took part of my answer was that I really did love talking with her. I think, you know, woman to woman, I think that was um, really special. I, I love the idea of, you know, that if sex was going to come up as a conversation, which I was really proud of them, that they let it come up as a conversation. I was really stoked that it was a woman who was bringing it, bringing it up because, you know, as women, we're, we have, oh, golly, so many conflicting messages that are taught to us, right, around sex, and forget the whole dis disabled community, like the whole conversation about autism and, and the fact that one might be, right, part of a disabled community and, oh my gosh, be interested in sex. It is, it is so disturbing and so, you know, so sad um, when autistic people are infantilized and are condescended to. And so I thought it was great that it was just the opposite. We were speaking like adults about an adult topic and I thought that was awesome. So yay. Um, I have to say another one of the moments that I really liked was um, that obviously, like Danny said, I love hearing that the advice that I give actually comes into play. So when I spoke with Tanner, I loved meeting Tanner. That was lovely. He's just like, you know, the sweetest person. I loved in our conversation that we had via Zoom afterwards where he was he was struggling and I could tell there was, you know, something going on with him and something weighing on his shoulders. And just to be able to say to him that it's okay to not feel like he has to carry the conversation, that he could say, that he could say, you know what? I can't think of anything else to say, but I'm having a good time. And then he said that verbatim on the date. And I was I was cheering for him. I was like, go Tanner, just you got this, man. So go was, Tanner. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, that was that was amazing. I just watched that episode. Yeah, great, great advice. I mean, you know, silence when you're on a date, it can be awkward, and you're like very, it's very tempting to like feel that silence. But sometimes you know, just gotta sit with it. And you yeah. know, your advice was so spot on. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you. Danny, how about you? What was the most important lesson that you learned from uh, Love on the Spectrum? And how have you been integrated that into your life off camera? 
Okay, so um, what is my most important lesson on Love on the Spectrum? So the show has taught me invaluable lessons that I hadn't considered before. One key realization was that kissing on the first date might not be advisable, given that it occurs with someone I just met. In the heat of the moment, it's easy to get carried away. Many of us on the spectrum struggle with controlling our emotions, leading to potential consequences like unintentionally leading someone on or fostering a toxic relationship. My lack of understanding on how to manage emotions became apparent. Thus, I learned the crucial importance of clearly establishing the boundaries from the outset, even though implementing them can be challenging for individuals on the spectrum. That's fantastic, Danny. Yeah. And uh, J Jennifer, I, I wasn't uh, going to ask you the question because it's not applicable, but um, <laughs> I mean, you think about Danny, Danny's answer. I mean, I think that was so fantastic. Completely. I, you know, I think that what I saw in, in, in Danny's experience in season one and then kind of afterwards is actually a really common challenge for so many of us on the spectrum. And that is um, rushing through these like levels of friendship and levels of intimacy that the rest of the neurotypical world kind of intuits. They just get that you meet somebody and it may take longer, you know, it does take longer to develop a close bond. A lot of us, someone's nice to us and instantly it's like, oh, they're my friend or someone's kind to us and, oh, this is it. It's the fairy tale. Here we go. Um, I think learning and going on that journey that you've got to go through each of those levels to get to that point of being very close. That's that's a very real lesson for for all of us. It's all about opening the eyes, opening your horizons. Look, be aware of our surroundings. Mm -hmm. Very good. And uh, Jennifer, you know, there are so many new uh, new age dating concepts out there. One of them is the ghosting one. Um, do you have any <laughs> advice? Like what are some obstacles, common obstacles you see out there for, for people, people looking for love now? Um, and as well as people who are already in relationship. Yeah, you know, I think that without sounding like a, a broken record, it's communication, right? It really, really is. And that's why when people do ghost and kind of drop off the face of the earth, if you will, right? That it's chicken. It's not, yeah, it's chicken. It's not fair. Um, it's not what anyone deserves. So I think then learning to not personalize what may feel like rejection um, or might feel like distance, I think is a really tough challenge to understand and not go down what I call the chain of catastrophe. Well, if this happened, then this happened, then this happened, and the world is coming to an end. Maybe not. Maybe this is just one moment in time, and maybe the other person's responses have nothing to do at all with me. Maybe that's just what they're bringing to the table in this place, in this space and time. Um, so I think when it comes to the games, I think the best thing we can do for ourselves is to surround ourselves with, um, I like to call them seeing eye friends, you know, so we're not just out in the world looking to make connection only through romance but making sure like when danny's on the show right we see we see devin we see the fact that she's got you know 
friends, right? And that's important too, because that's the only person who are going to tell you in real time, yes, you know, yes, it is the other person. They're maybe not being clear or in this moment, actually, maybe you can offer something else. You need friends first before you can dive in. That is definitely true. I take your advice, Jennifer. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, I think it was uh, Connor uh, who went on a date and uh, it didn't go exactly as he wanted. And instead of ghosting, he uh, was it with Sasha. I think that was with Sasha. He called her. And I thought that was like very, very brave, you know, and it wasn't just a text. He was like, he got on the phone with her. He practiced with his mom first. And I was like, wow, I mean, that's that's a difficult thing uh, to do. So I don't know if you had any of Anything to do with that, Jennifer? But that was you know, I got to, no. I tell you what was interesting about Connor. I did get to meet Connor, and this is maybe just another like takeaway lesson for all of us. Is is I think especially those of us who are autistic struggle with understanding sometimes what we're putting out there, what other people perceive of us. Um, sometimes we think it's you know one way, and actually we're coming across very differently. So this was sort of a good. A good lesson when i was when i met with connor we chatted a little bit and he kept yawning and i thought well bummer like i've never had anyone just yawn at me like i'm, I'm not a very boring person you know <laughs> and i thought this is gonna be lousy and it turns out that that's how he shows anxiety which he even talked about later in another episode when he gets anxious he yawns but i thought okay my takeaway from this is it doesn't always look like you think it does. And what did I do? I personalized it just like I tell people not to do. I did. I personalized it. I made it about me and it had nothing to do with me whatsoever. Oh, that's you know, great. This is something that I never really heard before that um, yeah. people yawn because they're anxious. Yeah, sometimes yeah. I guess some people do. Yep. I laugh when I'm anxious. Yeah. And when I'm nervous, I just can't stop laughing, which is really weird. Yes. It's better than yawning, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah <laughs> maybe um so Danny I wanted uh, to to go back to you know we talked about intimacy and even in the show we see you practicing kissing with a cupcake and where do you get all the advice on those taboo well, topics like this well definitely I would say I'm passionate about research and delving into topics that interest me addressing intimacy is crucial because I'm tired of being treated as if I'm not capable of understanding or discussing, like Jennifer said, infantilizing. Let's debunk the myth that only men are interested in sex. Women are hey, too, including, <laughs> yeah, including those of us on the spectrum. I wanted to normalize discussions about intimacy for everyone without the double standards. This show has been an eyeball opening but I realized I hadn't fully shared my complete authentic self in the last season. I'm 20. I'm a 29 year old woman seeking a mature relationship. One that seeks intimacy without the need for a wedding ring as a prerequisite. Consent is the key. Mm -hmm. I'm empowered to make my own choices. I'm not afraid to dive into research, including topics like kissing and intimacy. It's absurd to consider it taboo. Exploring human sexuality is natural. So for season two, I took a plunge and asked Kian if it was cool to discuss this. He mm -hmm. gave me the green light. Yep, I'm the instigator here. I want to open that door so that conversation could start because 
It was also, it will also help us stay safe. The more we know, the better we can protect ourselves. And it goes for all genders. And you know, despite the potential black backlash, I'm determined to normalize conversations about intimacy. And ref this reflects on the past experiences like misunderstood kissing experiment in high school. I learned the valuable lessons. In this season, I'm focused on finding the right person for a meaningful relationship where we can explore the intimacy together and responsibly and respectfully. But where do I find the cupcake part? I, like I said, YouTube videos, I, I researched it and learned how to kiss like holding an invisible cupcake and watch what the YouTuber does. I mean, hey, that worked, worked out, so. Yeah. I thought it was great. And you know what? I, I think it it boggles my mind that people would think that it's appropriate to research like absolutely every aspect of, you know, interpersonal relationships, but not intimacy, right? That's crazy. That's some, you don't just, you're not born knowing how to be a good kisser. You're not born knowing how to be a good lover. You're not born knowing how to be a good partner. You have to learn. And so I think that's a wonderful thing. I think that the more, um, you know, the clearer that we can be about that subject, then I, I think we're all better for it. Every, every relationship would be better if people took the time to, you know, this one of my favorite albums ever is Sarah McLachlan's Bubbling Towards Ecstasy. And it's now like 30 years old and that makes me very unhappy. However, I always thought that was like the best line, fumbling towards ecstasy. That's that's the whole point, right? I remember saying to Danny, and I think I don't think this made it onto camera, but that you can have a whole lot of fun messing up as long as you're messing up together. Yes, like it. it's special. There's it's never never be afraid to make any mistakes. Yes. Yeah, you know, I think a big part of the problem is that I mean, you know, we're on a spectrum autistic and I feel like the awkward feeling is not here as much as for neurotypical people so like I don't have any problem talking about this um, but I think neurotypical people made the topic of intimacy and sex and all of that like more awkward than it should be and it's become a taboo right but for us I don't know if if it's because of the diagnosis or just our yeah. personalities but it's really not that big of a deal. I mean, it's a topic like any other, right? And yes. I think that's part of the reason why. Yeah, yeah. Well, kudos to you for bringing it up, Danny. And I love, and I have to say, I want to, you know, kudos to Kian um, as well for saying, yeah, you know what? That is something that belongs on the show. It's mm -hmm. true. Thank you so much, um, Jennifer. Mm -hmm. I'm glad it wasn't cut out. Yeah. Um, so to, to both of you, uh, reje rejection is a big, big part of, uh, of dating, unfortunately. unfortunately. How have you dealt with, or how do you recommend dealing with, uh, with heartbreak? Well, you're right that rejection is part of dating. That's, that means you should never expect to be the one just because you go on the date. You are just getting to know someone. And the worst thing that can happen is you remain friends. And it's not a bad thing. It is disappointing at first, but it's usually best for everyone in the long run. Personally, I try not to dwell. I try to look forward and I think about getting about going on other dates and meeting more interesting people. And don't take it personal. I don't. It's just it's it was just not meant to be. 
Yeah, it's it's a hard thing. I mean, you know, Danny's hitting the nail on the head when it, you know, it is really about not taking it personally and, and learning that I think nine times out of 10, the reason, you know, I'm not being like literally nine times out of 10, but it, to use the expression, the other person, their hesitation, their withdrawal, they're simply saying, you know what, this isn't working for me for whatever the reason has nothing to do with who or how you are. It's simply what they're going through and what they bring to the table. Um, but I think that's hard, especially because so many people who are autistic have been through bullying or have been through um, whether they're friend relationships or romantic relationships, or maybe they haven't been well supported or they haven't been well valued. So I think it's easy then to go down that slippery slope into, and so therefore look here is happening again, I'm getting rejected again. And I think that's where it can be super hard to ask the same thing of autistic people because we've you know, had one too many experiences like that. But I think that's where we have to um, kind of stand for and with each other and say, and yet, and yet in this moment, still, it probably has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the expression, you can be the youngest peach in the world. There will always be someone who doesn't like peaches. There you go. <laughs> I love that. I really like the symmetry, the idiom. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I think it's good. And you know, oftentimes, I think something that's difficult too is to not uh, overgeneralize the rejection. Like, let's say you get rejected for a job. Like, don't feel bad about yourself. Like, as a person, you know, they only rejected like one aspect of you. Maybe one thing you did wrong during the interview. I think it's hard. Maybe that's just a me thing, but to not take it uh, personally to the point that it affects my entire being, you know, it's only one aspect of you that was rejected and not even because of you, because that might be the things they rejected about you might be the very thing the next person absolutely loves about you. Absolutely. Remember. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So, Danny, how are things going with Eden? Uh, are there any high points or challenges you've encountered together that well, you'd like to? Well, um, my relationship with Adon remains strong. We are doing our best to see each other as much as possible. And however, he is really busy because he's finishing his animation degree and is working on weekends, which I totally respect and understand that because I am busy myself, which he doesn't mind either. We text and FaceTime as much as possible. And we see each other as much as we can. That's fantastic. I'm so happy for you. Yeah, I love hearing that you're supporting each other. That's the way it should be, right? Any relationship should enhance you. It should be like putting the sugar on the cereal. It's what makes it taste better and be better. That's great. It's all about learning. It's not just about learning from each other. It's also about um, growing together. Yes. Gro develop. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So speaking of Jennifer, what do you think are some of the most important practices to sustain a, a relationship long-term from your perspective? Yeah, so, um, you know, it's, it's these are things, especially around Valentine's Day, I have to make sure that I check in with my husband and I ask, okay, you know, what are we doing? What are we doing right? What can be best, better, right? I think those are really important things to do. And that's where I come back to that same darn thing again. I know I sound like a broken record, but yes, communication, right? I think that, I think that the 
best thing, the most beautiful thing that can be in a relationship is curiosity. And I don't mean just asking question, 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 question. I mean, generally and genuinely wanting to not only learn about the other person, but about um, life in general together. So having activities, having um, things that you can do together, nothing new happens if nothing new happens, right? So if you want to develop and enhance that relationship, then you've got to be willing to try new things, to go outside of your your comfort zone, not to a panic zone place, but to a learning zone kind of place, um, which is somewhere, you know, in, in the middle. Um, and I think also another skill that is really important to develop is knowing that there are differences between our feelings and our thoughts. We're excellent at um, kind of running really quickly between one and the other. So a little tip that I, and, and a lot of times autistic folks, we tend to not always be great at identifying what we're feeling in any one moment. And I keep saying communication, but if you don't know what to communicate to the other person, then it, you know, you're up the creek without a paddle. So instead it's learning that we all behave or we see something, we experience something, it's a observe, think, feel, do. We have a thought, then a feeling, and then there's an action. And our thoughts, our thoughts can be sometimes a little skewed. They can be off, they can be mistaken, our opinions, our perceptions of things. But our feelings are never ever wrong. If you hear yourself saying, I feel like, or I feel that, that's actually an opinion or a thought that's coming up. Um, and that's worth looking at and checking in with your partner. Is that that, that thought accurate? Are you reading the other person right? Um, because what you're feeling can never be wrong, but what you're thinking about what you what you're perceiving or what your partner's doing, you know, that can be wrong. So checking in with each other, being curious together, and certainly, certainly that include that's in every room of the house. <laughs> mm -hmm. that's, that's right. Um, so Danny and Jennifer, so you were both on the show. Yeah. Is there a moment? from filming that didn't make it on screen that you can or want to share with our listeners? Why, certainly. There are many scenes that didn't make it in season one and season two. First of all, some of the scenes from Jennifer coaching me in season one were cut. Mm -hmm. That was pretty disappointing. I know, and bummer. <laughs> yeah. And in season two, Adon and I spent a whole day at the park talking. A lot of it was cut, including when we were talking about how we learned how to kiss. Before I brought out the cupcakes, he shared with me that his that his brothers showed him what it's like to kiss by licking an ice cream cone, and his part was cut. And third, in season two, an entire scene shot at a pub called the Bigfoot Tavern with Devin and I were, was cut, probably because they chose James' scene with all the taxidermy that was also present <laughs> at the pub. I think the most hilarious part was James opening a beer bottle from a raccoon's behind. I uh, couldn't stop laughing. That is so that James. Special. That was special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very special. Yeah. How about you, Jennifer? Well, I have to, yeah, I'm going to echo what Danny said about, about season one. I was really bummed that our time together didn't make it on, on screen. Um, that would have been, that would have been really nice um, because I think that it, you know, there was a little bit of, wow, when, when the two of us were talking on Zoom in this season, you know, um, it might have been confusing, like, well, how do they already know each other? So that was, you know, maybe a little bit. But I think the other thing that I, um, that I took away that I thought was important was I also worked with Journey. 
And um, so a lot of these moments don't get to make it to the screen. But in working with Journey, she asked me a question that I thought was so important because it was nice, you know, to be able to sort of talk about queer relationships. That's not something we had been able to broach before on the on the show. And she asked me, she said, so um, if I'm in a relationship with a woman, who's the man? And I said, what, you know, what, what do you mean? That's kind of the point is there isn't one. And she said, no, you know, as in who does for the other person, like who maybe pays the check or who, who pulls out the chair for the other. And I said, well, I think the idea is that it's anybody who wants to be kind to the other person can go ahead and be kind to the other person. And she actually then brought that question up when she was on a date. So I thought that was, I would have loved if there was that follow through that you could see that then happen in real time. So really love the interaction yeah, that were happening. Yeah. Um, but I'm so sorry that these didn't make it to the cut. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah. That's, that's too bad. Cause I feel like that interaction with Ed and you, you shared, um, Danny would have been a really good follow up and, you know, it would have added to the conversation, but um, thank you for, for sharing today. And uh, yeah, we'd have loved to see more of your of your coaching too, uh, Jennifer. Yeah. It's like yeah. you guys spend quite a bit of time together. Like, um, yeah, during... yeah, um, we did. Do you have any words for people who are looking for love and haven't been able to find love yet? Okay, so absolutely, nothing new. And I, I know I said this just a few minutes ago, but it's okay. Nothing new happens if nothing new happens. Right. So if you want to meet people and you haven't yet, if you're looking for love and you haven't found anyone yet or you're just sitting at home, first of all, nobody's going to come knocking on your door and just say, here I am, the love of your life. It's not going to work that way. Um, and you'd be surprised how many folks kind of seem to have this expectation that they can just keep on doing what they're doing and, you know, new relationships will fall into their lap. It, that doesn't that doesn't work. But your passions, the things that you're excited about, your special interests, those are wonderful ways to meet new people. So I encourage you to go get involved in any activity, even if it means creating one, that surrounds your interests because you're more likely to meet people who share them. You know, I loved, I believe it was in like one of your first conversations with it on, um, Danny, where you guys were talking about animation right away, right? Nurture your passions and look for other people who you can share those with. We're not saying oh, you have to be like identical twins, but it a little something in common helps. Yeah, and I took your advice. Well, then again, that was not, that wasn't in the cut. So, but anyways, to add that, um, these are really good advices. Thank you. You're sweet. Oh, thank you. So, and what I would like to add is um, go on at least four to five dates before expressing your feelings. If the date doesn't respect your needs, then that tells you everything about that person. You don't want to date someone that does not respect your boundaries because they can easily become toxic. Two, ask your question, ask questions about their interests and dive deep into the conversation to get to know their intentions. It's easy for some of us to get taken advantage of. We sometimes are very gullible and will believe anything that someone may ask, may, may say to us, but it's their actions that will tell the truth. And if anybody, if anybody takes advantage of you or makes you do something that you're uncomfortable with, tell someone. You don't have to put up with that, 
That's why it's very important to get to know someone. Third, mm -hmm. figure out and agree on the best day, time, and public place for both of you and for both of you, you and your date for the next time when you meet, like a coffee shop, a library, or a museum. It's great to keep up the conversation. The more to, you get mm -hmm. to know each other, the more you get to know the dates, the better you understand each other and trust each other. Fourth, mm -hmm. recognize the red flags because in every toxic relationship, there will always be red flags. If your date doesn't respect your boundaries, that's a big flag. And never be afraid to get help from your trusted friends and family who can help with your relationships. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, she's great. She might be uh, the counselor uh, next season of Love on the Spectrum at this rate. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you both so much for coming on today on the, on this podcast. I mean, probably one of the best conversations I've had uh, for real. So thank you to both of you. Um, but before we go, can you please tell our listeners where they can find you on uh, on social media and if there's anything you want to promote, a book, some animation projects maybe? So um, in order to find, I have my animation company called Denimation Entertainment, which is a company that helps educate, elevate, and empower people on the autism spectrum by helping them turn their passion in animation into a career. So you can look up my website, my company's website, www.denimationentertainment.com. You can also find me on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook and my company, Denimation Entertainment, as well. Find me on LinkedIn and Denimation. Find me on Twitter under Denimation ENT. Instagram and TikTok and threads, you can find me as Denie Bowman. Or you could just Google me. We also offer free introduction animation classes for those who are interested in animation so we do it every day every saturday from 10 a.m to 1 p.m sorry i mean 11 a.m to 1 p.m pacific if anybody's interested it's at daniacademy.com slash free right on jennifer um, awesome well i don't have an academy but maybe that's what i need to do next danny maybe i need to take a lesson from you and set one up um you know i think that <laughs> danny makes a good point if you forget all of our, our tags or our um, links, just you can always Google us. That does make it nice and easy. But yeah, <laughs> so my website is um, Jennifer Cook Author, C-O-O-K, author.com, which is also where you can find me on Instagram, Jennifer Cook Author, same on Facebook. Um, and I would say, you know, there, there are two books of mine, so I've written 10. Um, there are two books in particular, though, that I think I would kind of throw out there if if you're following this conversation and want to know more, um, one would be Autism and Heels. Um, this was a Wall Street Journal bestseller, and it's talks about it's my memoir, so it talks about the experience of being female on the spectrum, um, or my experience, not the experience, because there ain't one. Um, but beyond that, I think then also the African Secret Book of Social Rules, which currently I think is in eight languages. Um, this is definitely if you want to kind of unzip the secret social rules that seem to um, sometimes be a bit baffling. There's a lot that I take from these and draw into Love on the Spectrum. Perfect. Well, we'll make sure to have all of that in the description when we publish this uh incredible uh, episode of loving on the spectrum so thank you again for uh, joining us joining me today 
and uh, have a good night. And thank you. Thanks, thank Charlie. you so much for having us uh, be part of the show. Mm -hmm. It will Always come out Eileen. Valentine's Day. Woo! Alrighty, yes, that time. Yeah.